Now, most veterans returning from the conflicts in Iraq and Afghanistan don't suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder. But the Veterans Administration estimates that 30 percent do have PTSD. So who's vulnerable to PTSD? How do you recognize it? And how can someone with PTSD be helped? We asked David Stone to help us separate fact from fiction. Stone is a veteran himself and a counselor at the Boston Vet Center. Everybody handles stress differently. I've seen people that were infantrymen gone into the initial invasion, been through hell, carnage, and everything else, and have no PTSD. And I've seen, you know, a supply clerk that never left the compound gets 50% PTSD. The other thing about PTSD, it's cumulative. So depending on your childhood, so if you grew up in a rough neighborhood, we're witnessed to a lot of horrific things as a child, you know, death and destruction, drugs, dealers, people shot in the streets in front of you. I mean, that's obviously that's trauma, and trauma builds up. Sooner or later, it's the straw that breaks the camel's back. But there is no set definition of if you're a combat veteran, you're going to have PTSD. No. Everybody's individual. Everybody's different. Right. And, of course, we should be careful with these labels because there's concern, especially among uh, returning vets, about employability and career prospects if all vets end up by getting labeled as unstable in some way. The vet centers, we, we not, we're not going to label you. We don't label you. You have PTSD. We're, we treat the person, not the symptoms. You are Jim, John, Sally, whatever your name is. You're As the an person. individual, right. And in the process, give you coping skills to deal with the PTSD. Let's break for a moment, please, David, to hear from one veteran who answered our call to tell their stories. Hi, my name is Garrett Anderson, and I served in Iraq and Afghanistan with the United States Marine Corps from 2003 to 2007. It definitely wasn't what I thought it was going to be coming back home, but I think a lot of the factors that contributed to my breakdown were things like uh, not realizing that after somebody sees such horrible things uh, uh, like I did in uh, in the Battle of Fallujah, it's hard to make that stuff kind of go away. I encountered an attempted suicide uh, in uh, March of 2008 after I was discharged from the Marine Corps. I wasn't sleeping well. I was disturbed by the war. Uh, I had a uh, very intense memories uh, that I couldn't get out of out of my mind. And it really war shook my soul. Uh, and I think it's it's understandable. Uh, but I didn't realize how pro- how bad my my problems were until I tried to hang myself. Uh, that led to a, a road to recovery. I've had two hospitalizations since then. And uh, I take it day by day, the days are looking better than they used to when I first got out. But I had no idea that war would do what it did to me. I just hope anybody out there who's struggling with with similar issues uh, is able to find help and uh, and keep moving. That's Marine uh, Garrett Anderson, who uh, saw action in Fallujah in Iraq. He's fortunate, uh, David Stone, in that he seems to be talking about these very upsetting episodes in his life and slowly moving forward. How do you recognize PTSD in oneself or in a loved one? What, What are the signs? Well, some of the signs are anger, irritability, feeling nervous, difficulty trusting others, problems with authority, feeling grief and sadness, uh, low tolerance for stress, uh, isolation, uh, nightmares, substance abuse, trouble sleeping, anxiety, paranoia. These are all symptoms of PTSD, but those are also all symptoms of stress. You know, this this individual came back and, you know, didn't realize that they had these issues. And and many people do. They come back and, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm fine. It's when you have people come up to you and say, hey, you know, you really need to talk to somebody or you used to have 20 friends and now you're down to one. Those are obviously signs that, you know, you're pushing people away. Uh, the people around you are going to notice change. Everybody 
has changes when they come back from a war zone. I don't care if you sat on a fob and never did anything. You're going to change because, one, you're getting rocketed and mortared. And like I said, everybody handles that differently. You come back home. You've been gone for a year. People have changed. Somebody's, you know, cutting the grass, plowing, shoveling, writing the checks, taking the kids. So when you come back after you've been gone for a year, you feel out of place. Not only that, you've just been 24-7 with the same group of people for a year, 24-7. You come back home and poof, they're gone. Mm. So the support network you had, that's gone. And then you try and fit back into family and friends. You've been gone for a year. You feel out of place. You feel a little bit weird. How do I fit back in here? What's going on? And there's those things. And, you know, normal readjustment, 90, 180 days. But it can go on for years. I mean, my own experience is, you know, 4th of July. 4th of July will never be the same. Uh, and for many returning veterans, it will never be the same. And why not? What, what, what happened to you and your well, time in Iraq? I mean, how did you change? I was in Taji, which was eight miles north of Baghdad. We get mortared and rocketed three, four times you know, a week, maybe a day. In a war zone, you expect to see that. You expect to hear that. You hear the explosion, stuff like that. Mm. When you come back home and you're sitting in your safe place, you're sitting in your living room, you don't expect to hear war. So 4th of July, when people are firing off firecrackers, it becomes very uneasy. I can go to fireworks. I can watch the fireworks. But if you light fireworks off behind me and I don't see them, you're going to be peeling me off the ceiling or I'm, you know, it's very, uh, very stressful. I mean, when I first came home, my neighbor was daughter's birthday party. They were having, you know, fireworks and I'm crawled up in my couch just playing, asking him to please stop. It was just mm. that unnerving. I'm in my safe place. I don't expect to hear sounds of war. I'm, I'm, I'm home. I'm supposed to be safe. Yet I hear these things going off that remind me or bring me back to Iraq or Afghanistan. What advice do you have for loved ones of returned vets in terms of intervening in their lives if they're seriously disturbed before they attempt suicide? I mean, Marine Garrett Anderson, who we just heard from, I mean, he's very lucky in that he didn't succeed. Roger. I mean, there's so many organizations out there for returning veterans. You have the VA. You have the vet centers. Our services are free and confidential. Uh, The VA is obviously just for the veterans, but the VA also has a crisis hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255, or TALK. And that's a crisis hotline. Anybody can call that anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's not a suicide prevention hotline. It's a crisis hotline. So if anybody, family members, are worried about their, their loved ones, they can give them a call. If the veteran wants to give them a call, they'll get them in touch with the services. Given the number of, of returning vets and, and- you know, the various services that are provided for them. Are you optimistic about their mental health coming down the road in the future? I think one thing I will tell you about counseling or therapy, whatever you want to call it is, you know, it only works if you use it. So, you know, if you broke your arm and you went to a doctor and he set your arm in properly, you wouldn't walk around with a broken arm. You'd go see another doctor, get it set properly. Mm. The same thing works with counseling. If you walk in to see a counselor And, you know, you just have a terrible experience. You say, screw that. I'm never going back. It's not for me. Forget it. The only person you're hurting is yourself. You know, it may not be the first counselor you talk with. It may not be the second. It may not be the third. There's all these different types of therapies out there. But you know what? The biggest healing process is the trust you build between you and your therapist, you and your counselor. And when you have that trust, it's amazing what can happen. You have one unusual technique to help PTSD victims let go of their issues or at least help them try. Tell us uh, how that works. Well, I mean, ceremonies are a great way of helping come to terms with events. So I had a veteran that, you know, he had been through a horrific event. Uh, a close friend of his had died 
in Iraq. His uh, sergeant committed suicide. And so in a war zone, you don't have time to grieve. So they'll do a quick ceremony and you go out the next day, you're going out doing the same thing again. So there's really no time to grieve. So what I did was with this one individual was we, we, we did a ceremony. I had him write a letter to his friend and to his platoon sergeant, you know, saying the things that he wanted to say that he didn't get a chance to say. I had him take that and seal it up in a letter. I don't read whatever they write. That's very personal. That's between him and the person they're writing it to. And because there are no Iraq or Afghan war memorials around yet, uh, we went down to a war memorial. We went to the flagpole. I had him take that letter. I had him burn the letter there. And we just stood there and watched it, watched it burn. We watched the, the white letter go from white to black to ash. It was a very beautiful and moving event. And then have him pick up the ashes and scatter the ashes. And it's a way for him to let go so that his words reached the individual. And for him, it worked out tremendously. You know, probably three, four weeks later after that, you know, he had, he had improved so much just by being able to let go to cope with it. The thing with PTSD or anything horrific is you can't make sense of, you can't make sense of carnage, death, and destruction. You just can't make sense of it. But what you can do is come to terms with it, make peace with it. You can turn to drugs, you can bury it. But sooner or later, if you haven't dealt with it, if you're not coming to peace with it, you're not coming to terms with it, it comes back. It's, you can bury it for so long, your subconscious is going to bring it back. So it's a way of you know, coming to terms, coming to peace with it. David Stone is a counselor at the Boston Vet Center whose job it is to reach out to vets from Iraq and Afghanistan. Thank you very much for coming in, David. Well, thank you for having me.